The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are deep into the uh, training and recovery season because there is no off-season in hockey. Uh, Interesting stuff going on. Uh, Some very, very interesting questions about player comparisons, how they're treated in the media. Um, And, of course, a couple of tryouts uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff for us to talk about this week. Uh, we will note, of course, that the NHL has still not addressed the Brad Eldridge situation. Um, where do you want to start? Let us begin with. I'll take. I'll take. Claude is great. Question mark for a hundred, Alex. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's a great trademark. place to start. <laughs> um. So Claude Giroux, Philadelphia see, Flyers. See, he's been right in the off, league a little while. Right off the bat, I thought it was the wrong Claude. You put this story up, and I thought it was about Claude Julian. Oh, my, that one's really not much for debate, whether you like you. him or dislike him. <laughs> That's why I was I, I was going to question the question mark. <laughs> why wasn't uh, but Claude Giroux has been was drafted two thousand six. Yeah. 22nd overall in what I think we can all agree was a pretty flat draft. There were a couple of superstars and a whole bunch of eh, guys who played with superstars and juniors. Okay. Um, just as a, just, just as a, Uh, point of reference, only one guy is anywhere near a thousand points, and he's someone who is actually just ahead of uh, Claude Giroux on one of the lists that we're going to talk about. Um, yes, you could name, you could legitimately name one to, you could name all of the top seven or eight guys drafted in this in this class. Okay. Uh, at least as far as points percent uh, points go, the rest. I mean, just a hint. Jesse Yuensu was in this draft. Uh, Corey Emerton was in this draft. Tom Sestito, Sestito was in this draft. And of course, the most important pick ever to be made by the Ottawa Senators, Casper's Dogovins was in this draft. Third round, number 91. Um, and Nashville carefully invested in the incredible Blake Jeffreyon with their second round pick in this draft. Yes, but there were some Ooh. other there were some other notables picked in this draft, and some would say picked in the wrong order because some guy named Milan Lucic was taken, 50th overall. And then some other guy named, I don't know, this this March, Marchand, Marchand guy. Uh, okay. Bradley. You, you love 71. Milan Lucic probably uh, more than anyone but his mommy. <laughs> but 
you have to admit that he's not exactly been a scoring juggernaut, right? I would agree. Yeah, he's not been a scoring juggernaut. Brad Marchand is um, 210 games behind him and almost 200 uh, points ahead of him. Okay. But Milan Lucic is seventh in scoring in that draft. <laughs> By comparison. Are you, trying, are you trying to say something here? <laughs> I'm saying that this draft has some well-known names, but is otherwise pretty thin. And not that Milan Lucic is, def- is, is overall known for his scoring, but that's sort of the point. He's played over a thousand games in the NHL, which I didn't realize he'd crossed. Uh, same number of games as Jordan Stahl, which is, which seems weird because it feels like Jordan Stahl uh, has been in the league since forever, and Milan Lucic has only been in the league a long time. Okay. Um, but back to my point. Not a very deep draft. Not a very good draft overall. Um. So Claude Giroux is now 33 years old, 5'11", 185 pounds. Um, I, you can legitimately call him a playoff performer. Uh, just eyeballing the numbers, uh, it looks like with it with 73 points in 85 playoff games, that's a better points per game uh, number, uh, or at least appears to be, than the 858 and 943 in the regular season. Not that either one is bad. But um, the article's contention is that Claude Giroux is massively overlooked and that he really deserves to have a much higher level of, of respect. This was why, put out, is, why is he massively overlooked? Has anybody answered that question? That is actually I do have an answer for that question, but I'm curious as to your thoughts first. On whether I think he's massively overlooked, I think in the. I think in the grand scheme of things, he is just because there. He plays on a team where the image is kind of like here in Boston, big, mean, tough. You don't think about all of the goal scorers, and Boston doesn't have that prolific goal scorer. I mean, yes, Bergeron can score. Pasta. Let's give him another year or two, but he looks like he finally is that prolific goal scorer they've been looking for. Marchand is uh, more in the Bergeron mold. He's more well-rounded. And when you get nominated for awards, you get attention. Bergeron, nominated nine times for a Selkie. Marchand should I, – I almost put Marchand in the same category as Giroud because they're not getting the respect that they deserve around the league. They get it in their own town. I think with Martian, there's a couple of other reasons, but keep going. You're actually right in the area I'm going to uh, start talking about. I think they get it in their own town, but I think with Giroux, it's a lack of what's he been nominated for awards wise. And there you have it. He is (laughs) not the best at anything. You talk about Patrice Bergeron, you're talking about the best two way forward in the league. You talk about, uh, Alex Ovechkin, you're talking about the best goal scorer in league history. You talk about Brad Marchand, in addition to being the best agitator of the last decade, um, he's a phenomenal player. He skates well. He passes well. 
Uh, he scores he scores sometimes seemingly at will, and he scores a variety of different goals. Patrick Kane. There are people who can't even see his shot release in slow-mo replay. His shot release is that good. Um, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon. How long did it take to figure out Kane actually scored in that playoff game? uh, Well, probably (laughs) five minutes after he figured it out. No, Kane knew he scored. (laughs) Oh, and that's the thing. Kane knew he scored. The goalie knew he scored. Everyone else on the planet mystified. Yes. Um. I mean, you you run through the list, and at some point, every player on this list that they posted of the top five or top goal scorers, uh, top points producers of the last five years, and I would really like to go through this list again because I think there's at least it looks it looks off to me, but whatever. Uh, we'll run with we'll run with the list. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brad Marchand is third. Um, Connor McDavid is not surprisingly first. Uh, Blake Wheeler, who is another guy who gets zero attention for what he what he does, um, who is, by the way, in the last five years, more than a point per game. Um, This is over the last five seasons, five seasons. Yeah. Okay. Mitch Marner, who has more points per game. Than his uh, better known line mate and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, that's according to this Matthews three hundred thirty four games, three hundred fifty one points. Uh, okay, Miner, more points. I'm sorry, more Mitch points. Mitch three fifty five, three fifty eight. Austin Matthews per game is slightly higher than Marner. I still and will always make the argument that Marner is a better player than Matthews, but I know I'm in the minority there. Uh, John Tavares, I think John Tavares and Claude Giroux might as well be the same person in a lot of respects. Yes. Um, You look at their points totals, they're both, they both have played on teams that were good to really bad. They still produce numbers even in the bad years. Um, they, they both played on teams that didn't make extensive playoff appearances. Tavares with the Islanders all those years. Yep. Giroux with the Flyers for a lot. uh, And and, and even if they did make playoff appearances, I'm guessing they were only first round exits. I know there was the one year that they came back at three Oh, and, and we don't talk about that here in Boston or we try not to anyway, but both of them, Good players on bad teams, and does that affect their invisibility? Oh, absolutely. I mean, let's face it. You and I and millions and millions of other people got to see Ray Bork, the best defenseman for my money, not get more Norris trophies, despite the fact that he was on a really thin defense for a lot of his career, and fairly thin teams overall that he still dragged kicking and screaming into the playoffs almost single-handedly on a number of occasions. Yes. To me, he probably deserved at least two or three more Norris trophies. You could make uh, definitely make the a- absolute same case for uh, Zdeno Chara. Um, mm-hmm. You could make the case for Shea Weber in Nashville. 
um, because that team had no offense, like nothing at forward. I appreciate um, you saying that. <laughs> uh, there were just some guys who, for whatever reason, they don't get the recognition. Um, and that's without actually being legitimately the best or arguably in the top five. I mean, the argument is that, yes, Claude Giroux is way down on this list in 19th. But how visible is the guy in third? And and I bring it up because it's the name that I mentioned a few minutes ago. And, and I did say that there were I did say that there were things that detracted. There were other factors there, despite the fact that Brad Brad has been pretty well behaved for the last two years. Easy two and a half years. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's been suspended in three years now. He still has the reputation of being that <clears throat> shift disturber um, and that agitator, which he's still good at. He's just a little bit more verbal and a little less physical. Um, although he did say going into last season that he had had a surgery to repair that nagging hernia um, and he hadn't bet it 100 percent a couple of years. I kind of wonder if coming into another season um, at 100 percent or close to it is going to um, is going to rejuvenate some of his uh, aggression. But I think that Brad Marchand's reputation as a troublemaker past whatever you want to call whatever you want to label him Mm -hmm. keeps a lot of people from paying any attention to the rest of his game. Interesting. Okay. And let's be honest, the guy in number two never gets talked about. The guy at number two is the guy at number two gets my vote for the Evgeny Malkin Award. So, uh, yes, that's because that's the award the two of us put together what uh, ten years ago for <laughs> the player who's actually the best on their team but will never be acknowledged as such because someone else gets all of the media. Uh, yes, that would be the guy ahead of him, that Connor McDavid guy. Uh, and Evgeny Malkin, many years in Pittsburgh in the shadow of somebody that he, in our opinion, is better than in, in Sidney Crosby. Still have difficulty saying that. I don't know why. I, so, I, I just... Yeah, and I don't know. It, is that un, unlike those two pairings? Yes, Claude Giroux is just invisible. And how much more visible is he going to be now that Voracek is gone? Is it is it going that to get depends worse? Depends whether for, they can do anything useful or not. I was going to say, is it going to get worse for him because Voracek has gone back to Columbus? It it depends on how well him and. Uh, him and whoever he ends up playing with, because while you'd by default think it was going to be Cam Atkinson, it might not be. It might be one of their homegrown talents. uh, And I'm not even prepared to speculate uh, today. We can bring, we can talk about that a little bit next week, um, who he should play with, who he will play with. And, but we won't really get a look at it until late in training camp. Um, As it happens, um, one of my favorite newer follows uh, on Twitter, 
mm-hmm. um, at Matthew JDP uh, tweeted uh, tweeted a couple of days back about uh, Leon Dreisaitl and that since 08 uh, since the 1819 season only player to be top five in all these categories those categories are goals second assists second point second uh, even strength goals fourth even strength points second power play goals first power play points second game winning goals second overtime goals tied for second shooting percentage first uh, games played tied for first. That's a scary collection of stats for most people who are not hockey fanatics or market locals to not know your name. Like that's scary that you can be that good. And you ask the average hockey fan in Carolina, who's the best player on the, on the Oilers after, after uh, McDavid. Are you even going to get Dreisaitl's name one and three, one and five, or is it going to default almost to one of the former Carolina players who's been traded up there? Ouch. (laughs) And it's not just Carolina. I mean, you could probably ask the same question in Tampa Bay or in Dallas. Uh, You could ask the same question in Orange County and get baffled answers from both uh, Kings and Ducks fans. So since 1819, Dreisaitl has actually scored more goals. Yep. He's second behind McDavid in assists. Second behind McDavid in points. Uh, one place behind even even strength goals. Um, one space behind. Wow, I'm sorry. And the power play goals, which is supposed to be McDavid's bread and butter. Yeah. McDavid is 14th. And, oh, by the way, Dreisaitl is first. What? (laughs) I mean, seriously? And you would take – and and it's interesting because I'm reading this while I'm talking to you because I didn't see this. And – Looking at it, it's like somebody actually said they would prefer to take McDavid and his contract over Dreisaitl and his contract. Um, why? <laughs> if you look at the production, the production is clearly in the favor of Dreisaitl. And yes, okay, working the two of them together it makes that magic happen, but Okay, the other one that came up later, uh, and that one's courtesy of Bruce McCurdy, um, in reply to uh, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Over that same three-year span, want to take a guess as to who's number one among forwards and time on ice and adjusted time on ice? Go uh, ahead. Leon Dreisaitl? Right in one. Shocking. Shocking, yes. shocking, shocking. I'm sorry. That's I don't know why. I understand that. Yes, McDavid is a talent. I'm not saying he's not. I didn't say Sidney Crosby didn't have talent. What I'm saying is that guy that's living in your shadow is the guy that 
makes you what you are or better than what and you are. And while we hear much less of this about Edmonton, what was the story every off season from the time uh, from the time we came out of the lockout through I don't know five six years ago uh, as far as what what needed to happen in the off season with which team in Edmonton with with Pittsburgh with Pittsburgh it was who are they going to find to play on Crosby's, Crosby's wing Crosby's wing yes and then inevitably six weeks into the season it whoever was they went out and got was playing with Malkin because they weren't good enough for Crosby and Malkin made them into stars True. or returned them to star status. And then my favorite thing is obviously during that playoff run, a few, you know, whichever cup it was the first of the two in a row or whatever, they finally found somebody to play on Crosby's wing in Jake Gensel and then promptly screwed him for the Con Smythe trophy. That was literally, uh, <laughs> that was like Vince McMahon worthy screw job. Yes, completely. It and, was and, just plain terrible. And yes, playing people with Malkin, just, I don't know, whatever it was, playing, playing people with Malkin, they just... I don't know if it was Crosby running to mommy and daddy and saying, hey, I can't play with this guy or whatever the problem was. And, and I don't know. Dreisaitl is in that category, though. He makes people around him better. And that's really the that's really one of the best measures of. And the thing, well, the other measure is that when McDavid wasn't there, Dreisaitl still had some of his. Best productive offensive games. There was one game McDavid didn't play. Dreisaitl had like five points. It was like three goals and two assists or four goals and one assist or something like that. It's like he doesn't need the other guy to make him better. And to me, that's the true level. It, I mean, yes, McDavid is very good. Dreisaitl makes him better. Dreisaitl doesn't need McDavid to make him better. He already is better <laughs> if that makes any sense and the numbers bear that out and yes i would absolutely take dry and yes his contract is enormous certainly certainly heavy as well but i would take his and what he's capable of before i would take mcdavid's uh, and when you come down to it that average time on ice is really telling because it means he's been healthy like if you can stay healthy playing in the NHL a huge number of minutes and be productive, it means you're either not taking the scary hits um, and Dreisaitl not nearly as not quite as fast as McDavid, but hey, he's still getting the job done at a completely ridiculous pace, and uh, hopefully they'll get him on more national games. Uh, with ESPN coming in to take coverage uh, as of now, I guess. Um, And it's great. It is. So did we answer the question, is Claude great? Because I I certainly... Is Claude great? Um, I think think the answer is yes. I think he's very good. 
I, I wouldn't call him elite. Like, yeah, okay. I can't – he is not the best or in the top two or three or even five in any given category. But when you look across multiple categories, it's hard to keep him off of – like, say you were making a legit 20, 20 man roster uh, out of each division for an all-star three-on-three tournament or whatever – are you actually going to leave him off the Metro division team? Can yeah. you legitimately find 13 forwards you like better than him? I don't think I can find 13. No. He might not be on your top line. That's okay. Um, but even if you reduce it down to two forward lines and he's probably still there. That pasta guy is right on the heels of Sidney Crosby over the last five years, huh? Amazing, especially considering he completely forgets how to shoot and pass for three or four weeks at a time. <laughs> I just, I, 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 I mean, I'm looking at this list and I'm thinking, I'm looking at things like Marshawn Third, some, some, some Tampa Bay guy is like sixth, and and. Oh, but they let him sit out a whole season. So that that affects things, too, there. So, you know, because he's only played in 304 games. But when you miss 56 whole games with a serious injury that somehow allowed you to go on and play in the playoffs like you hadn't missed any time. But details, details. Yes, exactly. All right. So we're. So we got Claude is great, but not elite. Dreisaitl as as underestimated now as Malkin was 10, 12 years ago. We both agree that absolutely he is. Um, Or at least let's put I don't want to speak for you, but I will say that in my opinion, yes, he is. And like I said, he gets the Malkin award. He is the new Malkin. In my opinion. And and Malkin is still Malkin. I mean, he's still down there in Pittsburgh, unfortunately living in a shadow, but he's been struggling. He's been struggling with injuries over the last couple of seasons. And I think that stems from he has to be the physical. He's had to be the physical guy. I mean, he's a big guy. But he's had to be the physical guy. He's had to go out. And Crosby's not the physical guy. No. No, no, no. Uh, every time Crosby tries to be the physical guy, he misses two weeks. Well, there's that too, yeah. Um, I can Let's talk, talk about, about another... the uh, check machine that never uh, never breaks. The check machine that never breaks? Another former Pittsburgh Penguin? Absolutely. Uh, Yarmir Yager. I was... I, I, I knew that he was still playing somewhere and I knew that he owned Cladno. But this is a guy who's he's forty nine years old. He's going to be fifty next February. So he's forty nine and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And he he's come out and said that he actually feels obligated to continue playing, mainly because the team that he owns, the Cladno and I don't know what they're what they're, you know, like the Tigers or whatever they might Their be. Their nickname I, is, yeah. Yeah. But he feels that 
if he doesn't keep playing like he's expected to, then the team is going to suffer financially. He took over the te- he took over as majority owner from his dad in 2011. He completed his 33rd professional season and helped it earn promotion from second tier to the Czech Extra Liga, which is the top league in, in the Czech Republic. He's got 33 professional seasons. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I kind of glossed over that. I it didn't mean to. 33. Like That's as <laughs> in the age where you start looking at players and saying, I don't know how much time he has left. He's played that many professional seasons. I mean, he's come out, and, and the quote here is, it, it, he's like, it's not easy anymore, believe me. Because mostly during my career, I felt that if I wanted to score a goal, I would score. But suddenly, this doesn't work. At the same time, people still expect it from me, and that's probably the worst feeling. When people think, I can, but I know I can't. Plus, I can't even tell them. I just know that I will do my best to help the club. I don't know if anyone can understand my role. I don't even want to be in such a position. But I have no choice. As long as my father breathes, I take the club as my responsibility. He held it for 20 years. As a son, I would be embarrassed if I left. So he's got he's putting all this self pressure on him, let alone the fact that, you know, financially. Yeah. Let alone his own family, let alone. I mean, wow. And he's still, I I mean, you look at his beard, he's got the gray. I mean, when he was here, he had the gray in his beard. And I know that would he finish his career with Florida, was it? Did he go anywhere else after Florida before going back to Cladno? Um, I thought Florida was his last stop. Yeah, I know. Um, he's then, played the last couple of years. Uh, so Pittsburgh, he did a couple of years. Well, no, since Boston, New Jersey, Florida, Calgary, and then Cladno uh, since 17. Oh, Clad- oh, that's right. He went to Calgary for a season. Uh, by a season, if you mean 22 games, yes. And apparently Cladno is a, is a popular stop for older players. Because there's a quote here from teammate and former NHL forward Tomas Plakanich. We make jokes that he's still playing, but we don't have to talk about that. No one can expect him to be a top player, but he's still good on the power play. He can find his role in place. I wouldn't be surprised if he played another two or three years. End quote. He's going to be turning 50, and Placanich thinks he's going to play until he's like 53. (laughs) The thing is, if he keeps putting that pressure on himself, he will be. If he keeps putting that pressure on himself, he's going to croak on the ice. I mean, 50 years old is beyond time to stop playing professionally. It just is. I mean, I can't speak to... His talent level at this point, I I haven't seen any Cladno games, and, and but I mean the man must have unbelievable fitness routine, 
I mean, if you look at if you look at Chara and his fitness routine, I mean, David Krejci is going to be playing in the same league as him. David Krejci venerated him as a kid. David Krejci has retired from the NHL after yeah. a long career. Krejci's what, 34, 35? Six. I think David Krejci is 36. Okay. Let me, I can double check that, but I. But you're right. He, he was, he was looking up to Yager when he came to play here. David Krejci is 35. He'll be 36 uh, at the end of April. Okay. So he's looking. So he's been, he was watching Yager before becoming a professional. Now he's going to be playing in the same league as Yager. Yep, having played teammates with Yager for that season. Oh, that's right. And the, and Yager played here when you the, the dead. He was a deadline deal, wasn't he? He was indeed a deadline deal. I feel bad for the guy. I'm. I mean, maybe he needs his father. And I don't know if his father. I. I don't know what the dynamic, the family dynamic is in in the in Czech cult in the Czech yeah. culture. But it sounds to me like it's going to take his father freeing him from this pressure that he's putting on him to say, I, you know what, you don't have to keep doing this to yourself. I think honestly, what he needs to do is find a really good marketing guy, and what they probably need to specialize in is getting getting players like a David Krejci or someone else who's aging out of the NHL to come play a two-year contract at the end of their career, mm-hmm. and say, "Look who's look who's left the NHL to play in Claudeau now as their running theme of their marketing for the next decade." And get used to people seeing the other great talent. Does Krejci actually have a team that he's going back to, or is he just going back home and then he's going to? No, he's, he signed with HC um, Olamook. Um, okay. And I don't even pretend that that's the right uh, right pronunciation. I will attempt to look it up at some point, but um, that's what it sounds like, or what it looks like to me. I just, yeah, I, I do. I feel for the guy. The fact that he feels a, because he holds the financial well-being of the family. Well-being, that's the phrase of, of, of the of the organization too, and the family. And the fact that he feels the pressure because he doesn't want to embarrass the family. That's a lot to put on yourself. So I, w- I do wish him well. I imagine that his fitness has got to be through the roof. I mean, the fact that he was playing in the NHL at 45. I mean, he's playing at NHL speed at 45 at four, when he was 45 years old. So he's doing something right. Uh, you know, I'm st- I'm just sort of stunned that where you can even have this conversation. Yeah, I'm. I'm 49 years old. I I play professional hockey. It sounds. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. It, it is ridiculous. It's blatantly ridiculous. Gordy Howe played into his until he was 50. In a I very think, completely different era. 
a completely different error, and I also believe that he chose to do it. It wasn't like he was pressured to do it. Not from what I've read, anyway. I didn't know the guy, so I can't speak from experience. But yeah, I, I, to have this conversation just seems odd, I guess. Isn't it? I mean, Zdeno Chara is 44 years old. He'll be 45 in March. I is think he, he actually may- going to play professional hockey until he's 50? I mean, is there he going are back of- home to play? Well, I heard rumors of him signing, you know, somewhere closer to somewhere. Well, St. Louis was actually one of the places I most recently heard a rumor. Oh, wow. Um, at present, Zdeno Chara has 1,608 NHL games, 207 goals, 459 points for, yes, 666 points. Uh, <laughs> if you're superstitious, that's reason enough for him to come back to the league. Um, Just to get one even more 2,000 point. penalty minutes. Oh, and to go with that, he has 200 career playoff games with 70 points in them. 200. That's more than two extra seasons. Now, I asked this question a couple of weeks back uh, when actually towards the end of the season, when Patrick Marleau cracked the top list, top of the list for all time games played. Yeah. And I will ask it again um, because I, I firmly believe that Zdeno Chara might actually sign at least sign at least at one more contract in the NHL. Is Zdeno Chara going to stick around for that record? Games played? Games played. How close did you say it was? I'm... Um... I, off the top of my head, I don't remember. Um, I would have to look back at the numbers, but I think it was it was over a hundred games. Um, I mean, two, I think is we Marlo's, had. Wait a minute, is Marlo still playing? I guess is the first question. I didn't hear that he had signed a new contract, but. Uh, Skated in 1,700 game, passed by past Gordy Howe. But I don't know if he's. Doug Wilson was non-committal about bringing him back. I don't believe he's currently signed anywhere. I don't know. Um, does he does he stick around just to break that record? I mean, he's done Those games played. He's done everything else. I mean, he's won a he's won a Stanley Cup. He's won a Norris Trophy. So Patrick Marleau, seventeen seventy nine games played. Yeah. Joe Thornton is the active guy behind him, sixteen eighty. Uh, Zdeno Chara is third for active at sixteen. Uh, oh, six. He needs to play one hundred and seventy two more games to pass him to pass Marlowe, assuming Marlowe is done. 
And especially since Joe actually isn't. Since uh, he, and we'll talk I mean, about that. That's a little foreshadowing for you. But I don't think he does. He's a family guy. He loves his wife Tatiana. He's got his he's got his two kids, I believe. I mean when he talks uh, about he's making, got like three or four kids, but yeah. However many. When he talks about making decisions though, it's always we have a decision to make. He and Tatiana make decisions together. And it's always we, we, we when he talks about making decisions. So I, I I don't think he does. I mean, he's done with the exception of the games played thing, he's surpassed fifty surpassed fifteen hundred. He's won a like I said, won a Stanley Cup, won a Norris Trophy. Uh, I don't see it happening. I, I think if he can get a, he hasn't even decided whether he's playing this year yet or not, this upcoming season. And okay. they're getting ready to start training camps in a, in a few weeks. Not to not to say that he's not working out like a like his usual self. I'm sure that he's doing something, but. He's not with a team, so I don't know. I don't think he does. He may he may play this year if he can get a decent offer and somebody still wants him to play, but again, it, it's it's a decision he makes with his wife, and I don't think that he plays because he's got to play more than two full seasons. Well, no, it's 161 games. Oh, okay, so two seasons. So two seasons, he would have to play in 80.5 games each of the next two seasons, which isn't ridiculous if his minutes are limited. I'm not saying it's ridiculous. I'm just I don't know that he does it. I, I don't know either. Um, I don't think so. I mean, that personal opinion, I don't think he does. I think if he play, I think if he's going to play, he's going to do one more season. One more season, run another run for a cup, uh, maybe if he can find a good team that needs him. Yeah, yeah. If he signs with an NHL squad, it's not going to be Buffalo. It's not going to be, uh, well, any of the California teams. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, not going to be the Kraken. It's going to be, it's going to be a Vegas. It's going to be. A Boston, a Colorado, it's going to be somewhere where they're going to make a playoff run and he's going to get one more shot at, at hoisting Lloyd Stanley. Two teams that I would speculate on. I, I don't see them as likely for a major reason, but we'll go we'll go with them for we'll go with the two of them first. Um, one of these teams has suffered a rash of potential career ending injuries and. One of them is, yeah, an elite uh, defenseman. What about Montreal? Hmm. Maiden Stanley Cup, Weber's retiring or retired. I worry that if he goes there... He's going to end up playing the big minutes, which 
I don't know. He's still a 25 minute a night guy. I mean, that is that is part of the issue. Um, and that's that's, I, I why that's I, well behind the other reasons for him to not go there or be brought in there. Um, and the other one is the other end of the continent. What about Vancouver? No, he tips the scale there a lot. Really? Given how young and thin their defense is, having uh, again, Travis Green. Big minutes then? Travis Green would be a fool not to welcome that on-ice coach, that on-bench voice um, into I'm, the room. I can't argue that, but then again, there are a lot of teams that could use that kind of voice in the room. Not just Vancouver. My I issue mean, is he goes there. I don't know that that's going to get him his ultimate way. And I, I speak like I know what his ultimate end game is. But if the end game is to win another Stanley Cup, I don't think that that's the team to do it with. I, I can see that. Um, and I don't know. I mean, again... If he is playing with all those younger guys, how easy would it be for Travis Green to just keep sending him out there in all sorts of situations where you need uh, the big guy to you want the reach? Yeah. And suddenly he's back up to and I don't I just don't know that he's a 25 minute or even a 22 minute night guy. I think he needs to be somewhere in the neighborhood of, say, 14 to 17 or 15 to 18. I think 17, 19, that's probably the best use. Start with all the PK time, start him, put him on there. Anytime you're in your own zone in the last two, three minutes of the period, and then figure out the rest of his shifts from there. Um, and I think you can get very good mileage out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is probably still the scariest team in the East. If you, if you're looking hard at them, maybe Carolina. I can buy that more than I can buy Vancouver or Montreal. Well, I don't think he'd want to play in Canada given how heavy the restrictions have been uh, because of the public health concern. I don't know how accepting Montreal would be of him, by the way. uh, Are any of the players involved still there? Like, It's been. That's true. Patches is gone. 12 years. They still boo him. They're going to. Yes. Or they they did. They did. They did for as long. They did for as long as. No, but they may have booed him before. But after the patches hit, it was strong. And up until the time that he left the Bruins, he was still getting booed whenever they played in Montreal. It was glorious. (laughs) Well, yeah, I don't wish that kind of injury on anybody, but he that. Yeah. okay, Another discussion. Another time. Uh, I just don't know how accepting they'd be. They might. The fans change, you know, know, but. I I don't know if he'd want to be in Canada. Yeah, all the restrictions and everything else with what's going on. I, I, I wouldn't want to play there right now. Um, no. 
and <sighs> it's not like they don't have the cap space. I mean, they've got most of their roster signed. Um, and let's be honest, uh, if your choices uh, to go out and kill penalties are Anthony D'Angelo, uh, Brendan Smith, or Ian Ian Cole, or Zdeno Chara, I think we all know which one most coaches are picking. Well, there's another thing to think of, and I know that it shouldn't enter into the thought process, but how does he feel about the whole Tony D'Angelo, about the whole D'Angelo thing? That's does that's he not a, sign? Does he not sign there because of something like that? You could make the same argument for Montreal. Um, over, yeah, but Logan. Yeah, but Logan Mayu isn't playing there now. He, he's not. That's true. Um, personally, I. I kind of wonder if, I mean, players who have gotten into fights with each other will still play on the same team sometimes. Usually it's their trade, but. Oh, well, um, yeah. I mean, I said the, the guy who injured um, McDavid's shoulder there, the, the defenseman. I mean, granted, the GM went to McDavid and asked for permission before bringing him in, but they still played together. For that matter, Seidenberg played in Boston for years, and uh, that was uh, that was after the concussion to Bergeron, which, let's face it, was more Bergeron's fault than Mar- uh, than Seidenberg's. Yeah, and fans were easy to forgive because Seidenberg was Seidenberg played very well here in Boston during his tenure. <laughs> And Seidenberg's just not a dirty player, never was. Um, no. Let's see. What else do we have on the board today? Well, we since we're talking about Bruins here, you know, we may as well touch base on this. The Bruins have uh, – and, and we noticed these changes during the development camp. during camp. Right, but we noticed that. I, I had never seen either one of these guys on the ice during – Earlier camps, uh, whether they were still playing and and, and whatever, but we had both Adam McQuaid and Chris Kelly on the ice during development camp, helping with the guys and running the drills and and setting things up and whatnot. And then it turns out that um, Chris Kelly is now going to be joining... He's now going to be joining uh, uh, Mr. Cassidy behind the bench there uh, uh, as an assistant coach. Which which would be weirder if there were still more players um, (laughs) who he played with on the roster. Oh, wait, because there's Marchand and Bergeron. There's Marchand and Bergeron, and I'm not sure anyone else has left. Although, wait, he left in 15-16? Yeah, he won the Stanley Cup with us, yes. Um, so, yep, Krug is gone, Char is gone, Kevin Miller is retired. Craigie Adam is McQuaid gone. was on that team uh, in 10-11. Oh, and Adam McQuaid has actually been promoted or named, uh, not promoted, but named into Chris Kelly's old position as player development coordinator. Uh, and Tuka Rask is... <clears throat> Not currently part of the organization. So sad. <laughs> well, he doesn't have to be part of the organization because he's going to be recovering from his 
uh, hip surgery. And then we've since, you know, signed a couple, signed a goaltender or, and, and, or two and, and traded away somebody that I thought they should have hung on to. But that's another story again for another time. Uh, they also named the head coach for the Providence Bruins since they lost Jay Leach to Seattle. Uh, gentleman's name is Ryan Mujanel. And, and uh, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing it, but that's the way I heard it pronounced on Nesson, Ryan Mujanel. That is better than I would have done, so rock on. Uh, he apparently was an assistant under Leach in Providence, so he's just being promoted up into the top spot. But it was nice to see... Kelly and McQuaid on the ice. I mean, McQuaid looked an awful lot thinner. He looked unrecognizably thinner. Like he was, he was lanky as a player. He looks stork like now. He hasn't been away from the game all that long. I mean, he played for the Rangers and Blue Jackets in his last year, 1819. So he hasn't been away from the game a whole heck of a long time, but he was six foot four, 210 pounds. And looking at him during development camp, he didn't look 210 pounds. I don't even think he's 190 at this point, but it was, I didn't think he was going to stay away from the game long. So it was certainly nice to see him back. Uh, Chris Kelly himself is only 40 years old. Mm -hmm. I mean, heck we still have players playing at 40 years old. And for those wondering about uh, Ryan uh, Muganel's uh, pedigree, um, one look at his at the picture that Hockey Data, Hockey DB is using will tell you a lot, um, a whole lot. Um, he has been an assistant uh, head coach in the ECHL. He spent four years there. He spent um, since thirteen fourteen through nineteen twenty. He was an AHL assistant coach, uh, but he ha- also has four years as the head coach of the ECHL Las Vegas Wranglers. Um, hit the playoffs all four years and lost in the finals in the 11-12 season. Uh, so he has a decent. He has over 10 years coaching experience, uh, bringing him to his AHL uh, head coaching uh, status. 45 years old. Um, should be interesting to see what he does. Former right wing, and ne- never quite made it to the uh, to the NHL. Oh, he's been he's been the th- past three seasons. He's been here working under Jay working under Jay Leach uh, on the bench, and and he knows he should know the system that what's going on and you know what we're using here in Boston although you and I always say we st- still trying to figure out what Cassidy system is but <laughs> here's hoping that Ryan knows what the system is so that he you know that they're teaching the same philosophy at both levels uh, I wish him much luck um, there's going to be some changes down there because they've obviously lost Vladar and Swayman, so they're going to have Kaiser and... And Ryan Fitzgerald. Oh, that's right, and Ryan Fitzgerald. Ryan Fitzgerald signed a two-way, one-year deal with the Philadelphia Flyers. And 
absolutely the biggest loss to the Bruins system since uh, Mitchell Dempsey. I would have thought that the bigger loss, as we discussed earlier, is actually Cooper Zach. That one, I think, is kind of dumb, uh, letting him go. He also signed a two-way, one-year deal with the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, and I think I heard speculation at Bruins dev camp that that was going to happen. Um, admittedly, the Flyers need defense a little bit more than Boston does. Cooper, actually, I mean, considering he was, he's listed at, I believe it was like... He's tiny. 5'10 and 5'11 at the most, and about 170-ish, 175. Yeah, I yeah, mean, Bruins not a, present. Go ahead. Not, I know, I was just going to say, not a big guy, but uh, been around for a little bit, knows the system. Uh, Offensive-type defenseman, and you look at his numbers, I mean, he's not scoring huge points, but... Uh, he had to play with third of a point per third of a point per game last season with Providence. And again, who has he had to play with? I mean, no one useful has lasted in Providence, if, assuming anyone useful has landed there. True. Uh, and the Boston Bruins only have 45 of their 50 uh, allowed uh, NHL contracts. So signing Cooper Zach was would have been possible. Um, I'm a hundred, I'm not a hundred percent sure as to why they didn't. Um, I know that, I know that based on this development camp, they were, their goal, their clear goal was to get bigger and yes. And that may have, it's not much, it's not hard to get much bigger than Cooper Zek, but, um, I still was the average size at development camp six, one. Six, no, it was two. closer to like six three. Uh, I would have to look. I would have to do some hard numbers, but I know that there were probably nine players who were six four or taller, and only four players under six feet, and one player, of course, exactly at six feet, uh, Andre Gasso, who. Oh no, I'm sorry. Ty Ty Gallagher was six feet. Yes. Not, I mean, it was it was a big camp this year. There were only what three players that were under. There were three players under three or four. Uh, Parker Ford at five nine was the smallest. Master Cooper Rudd at five eleven. There was somebody else at five eleven, I believe. Ben Myers and Quinn Olson were both at five eleven, and that's it. That's literally it. Wow. Um, Tiny. Uh, Stezkal, one of the goaltending prospects, he's six four. Brandon Scanlon, who uh, Kirk Ludecki of uh, New England Hockey Journal really liked, um, six four. Keith Petrozelli, six five, goaltending prospect they brought in. Um, I wasn't hugely moved by him. Ryan Mast, one of this year's draft picks, six four. Yeah. Uh, Anton Malmstrom, uh, Malmstrom, sorry, he was a invite, six four. Uh, Mason Lorai, six four. Uh, Curtis Hall, six four. <laughs> J.D. Greenway, who they signed to that two-year NHL deal, six five. Uh, mentioned Gasso at six four, and then there's a bunch of other guys at six three, six two. Do we see a common thread here? 
No, not okay. not in any way. Not not at all. Okay, just checking. Yeah. And, if if, it, if you see one, you're you're just making it up out of whole cloth. Yes. Now, you mentioned the goalie situation in Providence this year. I did because they're going to end up with like Callum Booth and Kyle Kaiser and That's really interesting because the Bruins at least according to cap friendly, uh, still don't have a number two goaltender. Um, and okay. I think the question of how many games they're going to allow Allmark to play, assuming he wins the number one, which most likely he will, he's 28. He's got more NHL experience than everyone else in the system I, put together. I like Linus. I know. <laughs> I know you do. Everyone else knows you do. Well, if you look at his numbers on a bad I, team, I, I, what's not aware. to like? We are all aware of how you feel. What's not to like? That's all I have to say. So my not quite uh, not quite moon bat speculation. Oh, I've got about Troy Grosnick. Is that if assuming Omar every assuming all of the goalie prospects and signees make it through camp healthy. Yeah. That we might see Grossnick start the season in the number two slot. Interesting. He's got NHL experience. Very two little. Whole, two whole games. Uh, very little of it, yes. But he's got NHL experience. <laughs> he's not. Um, and the numbers for his NHL games are pretty solid. I think it's actually four NHL games, but. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how many he actually ended up playing. I know that they made a big deal about the first time he appeared for L.A. Um, because both um, Cal Peterson and Quick. Cal Peterson and, and Quick were both hurt. Peterson, not so bad that he couldn't play, but he served as the backup. They brought up Groznik. And they made a big deal of how it was like 10 years between starts for him or something. Some crazy huge number of years between starts not quite 10 years but yes um so he played two games for the san jose sharks in the 14-15 season mm-hmm. um he played two games for the la kings in the 2021 season oh five years of it 933 save percentage between the two of them um and Let's remember the Kings were a terrible team last year mm-hmm. and he still finished those two games with a 922 save percentage. And I'm not, a I'm, one not one I'm not saying he's not a decent goaltender. You look at his but save percentages over his career and there have been a couple of He had a 948 for that San Jose team in two games. In two games. Still had a again, still came out of nowhere um by comparison uh, Anthony or Alex Stalock, who played tw- the next least number of games, played 22, and he had a 902 save percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, but why do I think he might be the best, uh, or end up at least starting the season as the number two? Because I think they want to rotate uh, Swayman, Callum, and Kaiser through. Uh, through Providence and through Maine 
and get both of them or all three of them as many starts as they can manage. If okay. you're going, if you're going to give uh, Allmark 55, 57 starts here in Boston, not a lot of starts. <laughs> whoever's backing it up. Um, I, I don't know that they're gonna go. I don't know they're going to go backwards. They're still going to try and split the starts like they were doing with Yarrow and, and Tuga. Whether it's one and a half to one or whatever the formula is, if there is one. But yeah, could you see a 55 to, could you see a 50 to 32 ratio or 47 to 37 ratio or, or 47 30, whatever, math. Not good today. <laughs> math not working this morning. I don't know why. <laughs> no mathing today. We'll just yes. skip it. Sure, it works for me. I, I I think that it makes sense to do. I, I think it makes sense to have Grosnick as that number two. You still haven't answered, and and I know you and I have answered this question, but the Bruins still have not answered this question of. What do you do with Tukarask? Give him a nice watch and send him <laughs> on his way. Okay, as I said, you and I have an answer to this question. <laughs> the Bruins, however, have not answered it, and I don't know that they're ready to let him walk down the street. Well, let's put it this way. They get attached to their wubbies. Let's put it this way. What is the risk in very, very politely saying we don't have a home for you right now? Uh, he's not going to go sign in Montreal and play there and embarrass you. He's already come out and stated that he didn't want to play anywhere else except Boston. Assuming you take that at face value. I'm right. not 100 percent sure I do. I don't know if I do either. Somehow contracts and dollars and, and dollars can speak loudly. And. Hey, let's say that they have an actual real injury to Vasilevsky in Tampa Bay and they Tampa Bay calls him up and says, hey, look, we need a goaltender. Uh, can you come in and play the last 12 games of the season and the postseason or pay yeah, Brian Elliott? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it was a good option, but <laughs> seeing as how they signed him to a contract to back up Vasilevsky. I, it, it, OK. You're right. I'm it's not still high possible. on Tuka Rask. I was never high on Brian Elliott either. Don't yeah. We, but even even I'm going to take Tuka Rask if he's if he appears to be healthy over Brian Elliott. Brian Elliott fits into that collection of goaltenders that, that I choose to call not quite ready for prime time. They're not number ones. They're they can be for short periods of time, but they're not number ones. So you'd call them a two B, a two plus versus a one A or a one B. Yeah. I don't think one B. I think it's whatever that step below that is. Two so, plus. Yeah. yeah. That's that would be yes, and and I would actually you're correct. I would actually sign Tuka and still keep Brian as the backup in that situation if we lost Vasilevsky as long as it wasn't for a long period of time, because he's not coming back till February anyway, this yeah. game Tuka. Uh, oh, that's the expected time frame. I don't know. I, I think that Grosnick and 
I don't know that anybody's actually seen what he's really capable of. I mean, you look at him and you see four NHL games. Okay, yes, he's played a lot of minor league stuff. He's kept himself busy, kept himself active. Uh, 33 games with the Milwaukee Admirals and 920 save percentage. Season before that with the Admirals, 46 games, 919 save percentage. Not bad. Struggled in the playoffs. But I'm not going to go crazy over this guy being awful. I don't know that he's awful. I don't think he's awful. I don't I'm I'm not even prepared to say he's bad. And with his but with his 32nd birthday 12 days from today and having birthday in case we forget Troy. Um I'm not 100% sure that anyone's willing to embrace him as the next number 1. And I don't think he's I don't think he needs to be the next number 1. That's why you brought Olmark in, but he certainly can be a number 2 can probably be a decent number two somewhere if he's allowed a shot, even though he's got, even though there's the now bias that you can't play goal in the NHL if you're under six, two, which, uh, I will laugh hysterically at in, t- in Tim Thomas. Not oh, well, there you go. See, Troy's only listed at six, one. So yeah, there you go. And there's the other aspect of this whole situation that we're forgetting, or maybe just discounting or ignoring altogether and that is the fact that the Bruins fans have already seen Swayman play and they are not going to like being told that Swayman is not playing with the big club I don't like what they did to Vladar oh that's that's a that that was a big stinking (sighs) heap of dumb but if you're you know if you're promising the Boston Bruins fans Jeremy Swayman, uh, they're going to expect nothing less than Jeremy Swayman. And then when you turn around and say Jeremy's going to be in Providence, we're going to have Grossnick as the backup. I mean, eventually, yeah, the 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 people will forgive and and come back to the games and watch the games and maybe maybe I mean. And I still think that Grosnick is probably a good option, though, and, 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 and it does allow Swayman to get more playing time in the minors. In the minors, sort of like playing for the Detroit Red Wings in the minors. Because it's not like it's not like Grosnick signed to a huge long deal either. And that cap, well, the cap hit for all of the not all market goalies is low enough that it really doesn't matter which one of them is in net yeah. or on the bench. But Grosnick was only brought in for one year. I mean, what's to say you don't leave Swayman down in the minors for one more year while Grosnick cements himself as a, as a number two and then goes and gets a two-year deal somewhere else to hit 35. And then next year, Swayman comes up and fills in as the back as the backup to Allmark, or you get to see exactly what you've got in Allmark. I think it's a perfect situation, or as close to as you're going to get. But won't they ruin him by sending him back to the to the minors? I don't think won't you that can, be a huge slap in the face. I don't think it's a huge slap in the face. Nor do I think it's ruining him by letting him actually play and keep up with game experience instead of sitting on the bench. Why number would he one want to go minors. back to the minors? Number Aren't one, you afraid he'll ask for a trade? Number one goaltender in the minors is going to play a lot more than number two at the on the big club. 
and I don't think they want to see him rotting on the vine, so to speak. And to be honest, I don't think he's going to ask for a trade because I think that he can see that his future is here. Omar's not signed for a long time. He signed for four years. And within those four years, there's going to be goaltending competition every offseason and possibly during the season. I don't think that I don't think that he's in a bad situation at all. And I think sending him down and getting him playing time and keeping him fresh and active is a good thing. Leaving him up here sitting on the bench opening and closing a door, not so much for a 22-year-old. And he is oh, still just on. 22. But he, should, he, he, he did well in his games. He, he, he should be able to get that chance. In fact, signing Olmark was an insult, and they probably ruined him. Okay. Just ask. I mean... Ask who? Hey, there are fans out there who know these things. Just ask them. Oh, okay. Or stand still wearing a piece of Bruins merchandise, and two or three of them will probably tell you. I'd like to thank you for your support. (laughs) So, uh, we're taking a look at uh, various teams, as we always do, and what is going on in their wheelhouse. And this week, uh, the Detroit Red Wings are up. Um, Mm -hmm. Chris Giles of uh, Octopus Thrower uh, posted a story, five best transactions uh since 2016 now i'm not a mathematician but 2015 or 2016 was how many years ago five Uh, five this averages out to one good transaction per year is that a ringing endorsement of a franchise no they just said the five best. They didn't say all of the transactions between but now and then. If there were that many great transactions, you could do a seven best. You could do a ten best. Maybe stretch. Yes, out but most people best. tend. Most people, when they make a best of list, they usually go with uh, top ten, five or top ten or twenty. They don't go with seven. But one per year seems like. Damning with rape praise. Anyways, let's Damning dive into these praise. marvelous okay. trades or transactions. Marvelous five best transactions since 2016. Hey, <laughs> and there they go. Alrighty then. So then, are these in any particular order, or is number five is number five the best one? Or well, the just... first one is uh, acquiring Robbie Fabry since from St. Louis. Um, interesting acquisition, uh, because he wasn't doing much for St. Louis. Um, yeah, and what's wrong? And, and, and to be honest, outside of the fact that didn't he suffer a broken leg or something? He had a couple of injuries. He, he wasn't having a great time in St. Louis, uh, and he was shipped out, uh, for Jacob Delarose, the former, uh, Montreal Canadian, if memory serves. Um, they're lotting his 49 points in 82 games uh, for Detroit. 
Um, by comparison, you look at his uh, stats mm-hmm. across his time in St. Louis. Uh, four years there, um, 164 points. I'm sorry, 164 games played. Uh, 32, uh, 32 goals, 41 assists for 73 points in twice as many games. Um, yeah, I mean, his, his points percentage per game is definitely higher. Um, his, uh, his goal, his productivity is just plain better. Um, I don't know how much of that is line mates, how much of that is getting playing time that I've heard that's useful. Yeah, it, it it's one of those aspects of the game that with more playing time, you actually have more opportunity to acquire those points, whether it's scoring, getting assists, or what have you. The fact that you're getting playing time greatly increases your chances of getting those those statistics. I've done the research. Thank you very much for that. Now, the fact that he's played, but the fact that he's played with Tyler Bertuzzi, I mean, he's known. I mean, he played three years at Guelph with not only Tyler Bertuzzi, but now their most recent acquisition of of Pew Suter from uh, Chicago. So he's got teammates around him that he's familiar with, whether he's played on their line, as you said, the. familiarity i mean comfort level is important if you're the more comfortable you are the more free-flowing you're going to be the easier things are going to come as as it's believed anyway so So, i think it's a good situation i think so i can live with that um next one up is thomas tatar to the vegas golden knights um Mm-hmm. Uh, they got a decent haul back in exchange for him. Uh, they traded a pick that turned into Joe Valino. Um, they traded, they then picked Ryan Mast- Mastro Simone uh, mm-hmm. in 2019. And with the third round pick uh, of the three picks that they got in that, they just picked up uh, Alex. Uh, go ahead and pronounce his name. I can't. Their new, their, their their newest number one goaltender, Alex Nedeljkovic. Nedeljkovic, um, who yes, will probably end up with their number one. If you uh, can get a number one goaltender on the cheap in a trade, you probably won that trade automatically. This kid is gonna. This kid is getting like three million dollars a year, and he but was Carolina's spent a third round draft pick. He was Carolina's best goaltender. I still do not understand not going ahead with Nadelkovic. I don't know why Carolina didn't keep him. You had your, your, your other options were Morazic and Reimer. Morazic's gone to Toronto. Reimer has gone to, I think, San Jose. You brought in, who did they bring in? Was it Holtby? No, Holtby went to Dallas. I don't even remember who the heck Carolina brought in, but you had this young Really good goaltender who knew your system, knew your defenseman, had community. You know, there's something to be said for fixing that communication between your defense and the goaltender. Just ask Yara Halak here in Boston. Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta. Oh, that's right. Antti Ranta, who's going to play like 10 games for them. 
and you traded Nedeljkovic away for a third round pick. I don't. Oops. Carolina doesn't goof that big that often. That's oops. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that piece alone probably means that yeah, the Red Wings won that particular trade, even though even though they they didn't get the additional piece directly from Vegas. No, uh, whatever Giovellino from, does, they got three whatever, picks from Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> whatever uh, Master Simone does, he's at BU. Almost irrelevant. At this point, yes. Because they're they're ahead. Detroit right. is ahead. Hey, I'm sorry. What does this say? That you, Nedeljkovic had the best goals against average and save percentage in the NHL last year as a 25-year-old rookie. He appears to be the number one goalie of the near future for the Red Wings. Third round pick. Yep. That's not just oops. That's oops in like major capital letters. Yeah. Streaming behind a Cessna or some sort of biplane in the air over the stadium. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then Brendan Smith to the Rangers kind of hurts when you're when you're when you're trading away a first round draft pick. But 27th selection uh, 2007 draft. Uh, six seasons or parts of six seasons with the Wings. Um, he was moved to New York before he signed a two-year extension. In exchange for him, they got a thirty, they got a third-round pick, a second-round pick. Um, wait a minute, third-round selection number eighty-eight in seventeen, uh, second-round pick a uh, number thirty-three in uh, in twenty eighteen. This one really hasn't paid off at this point. Um, Zachary Gallant, uh, Gallant um, yeah, promising 172 points in 250 games as, I believe, a defenseman, OHL, uh, in the OHL. Um, he ended up playing elsewhere. Um, and then they also traded Manta to Washington which disappointed Chris a teeny tiny bit. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but in exchange, they got Yaka, uh, Jacob Verana and Richard Panic and Washington's first round pick in 2021. Uh-huh. Verana is someone that the two of us are kind of big fans of. And this was one of those trades where they stuck it in at the deadline and I don't remember even hearing it announced once on TV. No, that was completely. I I, I don't think the I don't remember the NHL network even. Uh, they may have mentioned it, but they didn't make any kind of big deal about it. Yeah, and then Detroit traded the Washington one of the Washington picks that they got, and they used it to pick a player that one of us highlighted uh, in Sebastian Costa Casa. Uh, as the first goaltender taken overall out of the uh, Western Hockey League. And he's listed as the future number one goaltender for Detroit. After Nedeljkovic, I'm guessing. Well, Nedeljkovic is is listed as the near-term number one. Oh, okay. Uh, 
And then Nick Letty was traded to Detroit um, uh, with Richard Panic and Atu Rati traded back to New York. Um, I think a couple of these are clear wins. I mean, you get Jacob Brana, you pick up Nadelkovic, um, and you still get Robbie Fabry in the system. That's a pretty, I mean, those are three pretty nice players to be able to acquire for not a whole lot. I, and, 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 and this is, this is the effect that, and granted he hasn't been there for five years, but this is the effect that Eisenman is having. This is the way Eisenman turned around Tampa Bay, acquiring picks making those picks work for the team. And that's what he's done here. At all of his trades, you'll notice all of the trades that he's made involve picks. It's not just players or prospects. They all involve draft picks. And clearly he trusts whoever he has in the system. And some of those are already were already there. I mean, but whoever he hired is scout for scouting whether he brought his scouts with him from Tampa Bay or whether he hired his own scouts when he got to Detroit. He knows what he's doing. He he fixed or set up Tampa Bay to be the team they are now based on the groundwork that he laid over his tenure in the last 10 years or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And he's doing it again with his home team, with his hometown team in Detroit where he played his entire career. And it, as I said a couple of years ago, it, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take him a little bit of time. And yes, they've had to suffer as being one of the worst teams in the NHL, one of the bottom dwellers. And these things are going to start paying off. You're bringing in an Adelkovic. The young guys that were drafted three, four years ago, are going to start making their appearances. Moritz Sider is going to be coming over. It's on, you know, they're going to have all that young talent. You do need a little bit. You've still got, you still got, whether you like him or not, Dylan Larkin's still there. They re-signed Tyler Bertuzzi. Not happy that they got rid of Dennis Chalowski. All I can imagine I, is that. I still find that one baffling. All I can imagine is that there's something in the system that Eisenman sees that he was willing to let Chalowski go. Uh, I like Dennis Chalowski, but we can't have everything we want. I do believe that Eisenman is setting this team up for another period of success. And they're just going to, it's just a matter of patience. I mean, he hasn't got rid of Jeff Blaschel. And one of the things that every, every year, somebody always says Jeff Blaschel's on the hot seat. Clearly, Eisenman knows different whether it whether it's he understands the fact that this is still a rebuild and it's not fair to judge Blashill based on the fact that he's rotating pieces in and out and bringing in guys like Bobby Ryan and 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 Mark Stahl and, and sure. other older players that he's been rotating in. Oh, for Mike one Green year was on the team for a bit. Um, yeah. So I, I I do believe that Detroit has faith and ownership has faith in Eisenman to do what he's done in the past. 
So, yeah, these are five good deals. I mean, I'm not sure about the Letty one. I still kind of scratch my head a little bit, but is he going to be a, a reliable veteran defenseman? Probably. Probably. I mean, he, it's not like you brought in a 37-year-old Mike Green or however old he was at the time. Or a really, really hockey old Mark Stahl. I don't think that he's old, old. I think that he's still in his early 30s, but he's played. Uh, Mark there's Stahl a lot, is. There's a lot of miles on that body. He's the he was he was uh, the Rangers government mule for a decade. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of miles there. You bring in Yakabrana, you've got, I mean, they. Deep, deep pipeline, deep prospect pipeline. I, I don't think they're going to be bottom dwellers for. Uh, Mark Stahl is long. approaching hockey old. Yeah, he'll be oh. 35 in January. Oh, he is getting that old. Okay, I didn't, I didn't realize he was up there. Okay. And in all probability, he'll finish this season uh, with a, with uh, having crossed a thousand games. He's at 948 now. And 107 playoff games, which is amazing considering how bad the Rangers have been for, or how iffy the Rangers have been some years. It's just the whole thing with, you traded away Anthony Mantha, who, okay, you're going to have to move him or give him some kind of big money anyway. And you bring in Vrana and Ponick. You turn around, take Ponick who isn't producing and you get Nick Letty who, okay, he's going to shore up your defense and is probably a better player than what panic was showing you. And you get obviously Sebastian Casa, uh, who's future goaltender, the uh, uh, starter of the future. I, whether you like Letty or not, it's still a win. It's still a winning deal because you got Verona and you got, and and you get that shore up Nick Letty, whether you think he's good or not, and you get the future goaltender. It, everything's involved. There's always picks involved. So I trust him. I I mean I do like the Red Wings. You're right. You say it all the time, like it's a. But I'll pick it up and wear it as a badge of honor. I do like the Red Wings. Have for a long time, and I think that he's doing the right thing. So I don't have a problem with these being the five best. I mean they're pretty good. That's fair. Um, some of you may or may have seen it. Some of you may have not. Uh, I'll have retweeted it uh, just a short time before the show. Um, players poll in the National Women's Hockey League um, for best defender uh, based on the 2021 uh, season. Pretty overwhelming. Um, it's pretty I mean, I understand it's a small league. I understand that it's um, mm-hmm. – but to see effectively 50% of the vote go to one player is <laughs> – That's pretty that's – still, that's still pretty telling right there. Uh, that's not only telling. It's, like, shocking. I mean, I've – I doubt that even – the votes for Crosby in his prime as the best uh, as the best forward or best player in the league were that high. Um, and that player was, of course, Kelly uh, Frackton of the Boston Pride. Um, 
two of her teammates did get votes, uh, Lauren Kelly and uh, Taylor Turnquist. Um, the next highest vote getter was Taylor Woods out of the uh, – what is that? The Ottawa Six? Yeah. Yes. Um, I like seeing the results of these mm-hmm. polls. If nothing else, for fans who – I'm sorry? Toronto 6, my opponent. Toronto 6, yeah. Um, If nothing else, it gives people who are trying to get into the game players to focus on. Like, someone who really wants to watch women's sports, just wants to watch hockey, you know, they – or they can't afford NHL tickets and they want to go to one of the women's games – being able to focus on Mary Jo Pelletier of the Buttes or Taylor Woods uh, and Lindsay Eastwood of uh, of Toronto. You know, you've got uh, Tori Howren and Shannon Doyle. Um, why can't I? Yeah. All of these names, having them right in front of your face, uh, pre-identified for you as players to watch. A, a roster is is great looking at the stats sheet. Will tell you some stuff, mm-hmm. but if you're sitting there with your eight year old kid, boy, girl, whatever, and they want to know who should I pay attention to in this game, or you want to focus them on that type, that sort of player because they play defense, this is the type of thing that you do to engage fans. This is a player survey. This is not a let's talk to the agents, let's talk to all the media people at at one uh, outlet, this is the players in the league saying, we think this one is better than the rest of us. And that's the type of thing that to me as a young player, I would have paid way more attention to than whoever, whatever three, four or nine debt letter network um, or website proclaimed as the best player. Oh, by the way, if you didn't actually get to see the the championship game, the Isabel Cup, any of the Isabel Cup playoffs for the women, I would highly recommend catching an NWHL game because they put it all, they leave it all out there on the ice. It this is not like some mom and pop league. This is. <laughs> There's a lot of physicality. <laughs> they are not afraid to hit. They are not afraid to be hit. The skill level is through the roof. It's just highly entertaining hockey. It's I watched the Isabel Cup playoffs, and yeah, it, it was some entertaining hockey for a it was on started on a Thursday night ended on the weekend something like that. I don't remember the exact dates it was back in was it March late February early March it just right wow yeah I'm waiting for the next season to start so uh one other topic uh, on the board um the Five Nations tournament is kicking off in a few moments, offic- or as soon officially. Mm-hmm. Uh, in pre-tournament action, USA uh, down sw- the Swiss uh, eight to four, um, and Kerry 
Terrence uh, had a, you know, okay six-point performance in that. Uh, you can hit mm-hmm. USA Hockey's um, you can hit USA Hockey's Twitter for the whole full story. Okay. I can't say I've seen any of that tournament as of yet. Oh, Five Nations pre-tournament, excuse me. Pre-tournament, yes. Um, anything else on the board for today? Uh, nothing of major consequence. A couple of quick hitters before we go. Joe Thornton has signed on with the Florida Panthers. Uh, he'll be playing in his 24th NHL season. Congratulations to Jumbo Joe. And sorry to say that Anders Nilsson has officially announced his retirement. He hasn't played since 2018-19 season due to uh, symptoms of post-concussion. And he finally has called it a career. He hasn't played on... He's been he's played on some very iffy iffy talented teams, uh, Buffalo, Ottawa, not good. And it's rough to see him go. He was drafted originally by the Islanders, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, wish him luck in whatever it is he chooses to do next. Absolutely. And I hope oh. I hope that he at least uh, recovers enough to be able to go about normal activities. Absolutely. And good luck to Joe in Florida. Um, still seems weird not to see you in a San Jose uniform, even though <laughs> you were first seen in a in a Bruins uh, jersey. But uh, let's see what good things happen to you. And that, I believe, is where we leave you. Good show this week. Ladies and gentlemen, always hit us up for the mailbag. Uh, and We'll answer questions on Twitter or drop them into the show. Uh, have a great week, and we'll be back soon.